Susan J. Cokes. <laughs> That's Joe Paley. And good day. Good morrow. Good eve. Good, 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 good guten tag. Good, 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 Steve good, good, Gutenberg. good, 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 good. What's happening? Oh, I'm just packing. Mm. Packing heat. Packing. I'm packing heat. Yeah. For your big trip on Monday. Yes. To the hellscape known as Arizona. To as. To as the wizard of as now that we're getting closer how are you feeling about it all um you know i i i i can't stress enough how much i hate arizona i mm-hmm. really cannot stress it enough so i'm having feelings about um going there specifically but otherwise you know uh you know i'm nervous i uh, i'm i'm all the normal things you would think i may be so you're staying with him now does he live by himself he does not. He lives with his wife and two daughters. Oh, so you have nieces. I do. I have two nieces. Oh, my God. That's crazy. One of which uh, she's graduating from high school while I'm there. So I'm going to my niece's high school. Graduation. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. That's so weird. And what's the wife's story? What's her story? I don't know. Her name's Jasmine. So I love that. Oh, my God. Was she an Aladdin? <laughs> Yes, she. Yep, she was. I think that's the first thing you should say to her. <laughs> oh my god! Are you? <laughs> oh my god! I love like, Aladdin. Get out. <laughs> um, she's a teacher. Um, she's pretty cool. She's funny. She loves uh musical theater. Oh, nice. She loves Sondheim. So nice, nice. Um, yeah. So it, it it we'll see. We'll we'll see. We sure will. Sure will. It's inevitable now. And when are you back? Saturday. Okay. Okay. Early Saturday. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good times. Good times. Great old Good times. What have you been up to? You know, uh, nothing. Well, how did your show go? Have we talked since then? In Florida? Yeah. Yeah, we recorded just a few days ago. You know... I, I don't remember shit. You know this. Um, yeah, uh, we recorded on Sunday night for our Monday right. <laughs> our Monday deadline. Our um, unedited version. That's, that's right. right. We, we, we raw dogged it. We sure did. Um, but by all accounts, it's still going well. It looks like they're going to extend. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So people seem to be liking it. So what okay. more can you ask for? Sure. Yeah. So that's good. And you're about to head into your final weekend of your show. Oh, yes. Thank God. Oh, thank you. Four more. Um, Yep. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. And we'll be there on Saturday. Um, You get to drive me home on Saturday. Oh, we do. Yeah. If you don't (laughs) mind. Um, I'm so I'm so glad. I'm just so glad. It's just been a it's been a journey that I'm glad to see over. Yeah. It's long. And also that theater, Detroit Rep, usually does Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday for 10 weeks. That sounds like a nightmare to me. That's a lot of shows. That's a lot of shows. So we did not have that. We don't have Thursdays. We don't have two on Sunday. And honestly, we shouldn't even have a Saturday night. That theater is very strange. Their big crowds are on matinees. So really, they should cut the Saturday night, but you know, it's a lot of old people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, people like the show, but it's just it's tiring. I'm I'm just ready to be done. I'm ready to be done. Yeah, I get that. So, um, I do have sad news. Oh God, what? We didn't get any emails. <sighs> I think our friend to the north has forsaken us. You think maybe? I mean, it's been weeks now. I know. Where's Matt? Matt. Okay. Now, now I'm officially worried a little bit. I know it's really been weeks, three weeks, yeah. maybe four. Yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe we offended. I don't I know. Hope not. We did curse Shelley. We did. We did. Maybe that's all they were waiting for. 
Oh my God, we were set up, oh you guys. Oh my God, were we set up and used? Oh, oh no. my God, they used us for our Kirsty Shelley connections. Yeah. But yes, if you're just let us know you're alive. We miss you. Yeah, we miss you. Like, even if, like, <sighs> oh, I'm, God. Sure of, I'm sure one of your friends might still listen. Um, You know, just drop us a line. Let us know. Blink twice if you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is the Insta? What's happening there? This Insta message came from friend of the podcast, Kimberly. Um, and she says, hi, I heard you talking about candy on Hulu. There was a 1990 movie about this starring Barbara Hershey as candy called Excuse a me. Killing in a Small Town. And I vaguely remember this movie. And I think even to make it sweeter that it was a te- made for television movie. Oh, those are always so good in the worst way. Love it. Yes. But especially Barbara Hershey is amazing. Um, So, yeah, it was a TV movie. Interesting. From 1990, starring Barbara Hershey, Brian Dennehy. Oh. And Hal Holbrook. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm going to search that. She actually sent the link. Uh, It looks like it's on YouTube. So thank you, Kimberly. Again, oh, wow. I can't wait to dig in. I can't speak for you. I was going to say we can't wait. No, I, I can't wait to dig we in. We can't either. wait to dig in. <laughs> so that's exciting. That is exciting. I'm still watching The Staircase. Oh, God, I forgot all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this episode was him in prison. Mm. Um, So that's that has to be all dramatized, because how would we know any of that? How would we know? We would Oh, um, I'm watching Under the Banner of Heaven, but but just because of Andrew Garfield. And oh my god, I forgot really, about that too. It's really boring. Eh, you can skip it. It's mm. it's boring. I, like I the just book, like. I ju- oh really? Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe you'll like it then. Yeah, I it's like interesting. It. Uh, just the whole Mormon thing is fascinating to me. I mean, and and watching this and like they start off one way and then they're like. Oh, we can't go the way of these type of Mormons, and then they end up going that way, even yeah. worse than. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, just the fact that this guy in upstate New York is like, "Oh my God, you guys! You'll never <laughs> guess what I dug up in my backyard. These golden talents. I can't show them to you. I wrote it all down, and this is what it says. And people are like, "Oh my God, uh, Joseph Smith, you're so lucky. Uh, <laughs> oh we're gonna God. follow you to the <laughs> totally Salt Lake." Be- Totally Which we think is the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I mean, I know times were simpler, but for sure, 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 sure. Well, really, uh, because I like to offend everyone. Every religion is. Listen, if you're not hurting anyone and you're not hurting yourself, to each their own. Sure, more power to you. But uh, also, like they're all cults, really. Yeah, it's. I mean, just, it just you know, doesn't. Give or take, yeah, fast generalization, I mean, but I'm not saying. Yeah, we're not saying what to believe, who to believe, but yeah, but yeah. If you're not hurting anyone and you don't try to get me to believe it, I don't care what you do. Absolutely. In fact, I almost signed up, um, for the Satanist Church because they're right. They um, you get protected. They're um, for abortion laws. You get protected by the Satanic Church because you can say that that is a uh, religious affiliate. And actually, Satanists are not like, you know, let's kill a goat and spill some. They're actually, um, their beliefs are quite lovely. And I align with them, really. Um, uh, But I didn't because, A, I'm lazy and it required me typing stuff. Also, um, I'm not in the market. Like, I don't think I'll ever be in the market um, to have to have to have one. And then I thought, well, maybe I can sign Lily up, but I'm not going to sign her up for the Satanist church Yeah, without her knowledge at 10 years old. That just seems wrong. So um, that'll be a conversation to have later. Can you imagine the type of mailing lists that you would be put on if you signed up for the Satanist church? Well, now that you say it that way, I'm kind of, I kind of <laughs> want to do it. I want to see. I want to see them. They're probably fun. Did you watch Beverly Hills last week? Is it the first one? It's only the first one is out. Yes, I did. Well, sorry. No. Well, number two was last night. So. 
Okay, I haven't watched number two yet, but I did I watch either. number one. So glad, okay. so glad it's back. Sutton. Oh, oh my God. Sutton. Oh, I'm sorry. And my house didn't get broken into. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, listen, there's shenanigans like Erica shenanigans. And when they're upset about stupid stuff or, or stuff that they had a hand in that they shouldn't have had a hand in or whatever. But Dorit, that is a truly scary thing. Oh my God. Terrifying. Terrifying. Traumatizing. It, you know, it's not a lie. They have footage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you can tell she's traumatized because throughout basically the whole episode, she doesn't have makeup on. And she she's in like gray sweats, like basically. Sweatpants. She didn't do her hair. This woman was traumatized. This is not for show. This is not bullshit. She was traumatized. And for Sutton to be like, ugh, you know, I've been putting out fires all day too. Yeah, I have this French artist designer who can't get through customs. I love how Kyle's like, um, that doesn't sound like fires. I love Kyle like, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't sound like a fire to me, but I guess to each their own. Um so <laughs> poor Dory. Oh god, that must have been so oh. fucking terrifying. I can't yeah. even imagine. And just the fact that she normally would have had her daughter in bed with her and the just that night. Right, didn't. and then didn't. Yeah. Oh, just. but my one question was, and this is not victim shaming at all. It was a, it was actual curiosity because she has a alarm system and she said she didn't have it on because her children wander. So I totally get that because if it's, you know, um, activated by movement, like, you know, if you have pets, you do it a certain way, but wouldn't there be a certain way to do it? I just kind of wanted to reach through the TV and be like, to read, there has to be a certain way to set it so that it doesn't pick up movement inside the house, but it'll tell you if it'll call the cops, if like the door is broken or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that they probably felt pretty safe from anything like that. One, Listen, 100%. 100%. And like they were just brazen, just breaking out that whole really were sliding glass door. Just crazy. Yeah. And that was that. I'm sorry. The alarm system was the second thought I had. The first thought I had was I would have felt safe. I would have never thought like, okay, so she's got all these rich, she's rich and blah, blah, blah. They also, I'm assuming lived in a gated community. I'm sure it's gotta be something. If not that, then something that's upscale. Right. Like, so yeah, it's, they were just. I mean, at least when Kyle got robbed, they weren't home. So. Right. And I don't think Kyle, I don't think they got money like that. Um, yeah, just like her purses and jewelry, I think. Yeah, like and so things. I don't think they're in a gated place because comparatively to everyone else's house, her house is like my house. Who, Kyle? Kyle, yeah. She's got them big gates at the end of the driveway. Oh, does she? Mm-hmm. I just got that huge backyard too. Oh, you know what? <laughs> because she has several homes that they film. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. I am listening to a book called The Housewives uh, by Brian Moylan, okay. uh, which is a history of the Real Housewives franchise. Um, it is. It's it's okay. I feel like you probably need to have an intimate knowledge of all of the franchises to really appreciate it. Okay. Because I don't. Like, okay. there's talk about, like, you know, Atlanta, which I don't watch. And, I don't um, watch Atlanta. Miami and DC and Potomac and Dallas. And I don't watch any of those. I watch I mean, there's, Dallas. There's a lot of good talk about, you know, New York and the ones that I do watch. Right. Except for um, Salt Lake City. It was not around when this was written. This was okay. like 19, I think 19 or 20. But anyway, um, but there's also, he goes into a big, uh, where the part I'm at right now is a sort of a big overview of just reality television in general like the history of which is also very interesting and also the history of bravo itself which was interesting so Hmm. so yeah it's something okay i would so far recommend he's kind of an annoying narrator but um but it's interesting i can't get i can't get done if i don't like your voice i can't do do it yeah yeah so yeah i guess that's really um what i've been doing 
I can't think of anything else that I have. I mean, it's been a short week, so and we had to right. get on our own our own stuff. Right, <laughs> so. right, right, right. So, are we ready to dive in then? Um, sure. Um, we today are doing Roseanne O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> Roseanne Bar Perez O'Donnell. I'm getting all of my stuff from Wikipedia. I won't even try to pretend any different. <clears throat> Um, she was born March 21st, 1962. Oh my gosh. She, I didn't realize this. She's an American, not this part. I knew this. Part. <laughs> She's an American comedian, producer, actress, author, and television person. I didn't know that. <laughs> Wait, she did all that? Wait, did you say March 1962 or 19? Yes. Yeah. So yes. she just turned 60. 60. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, this is what I didn't realize. She began her comedy career as a teenager and received her breakthrough on the television series Star Search in 1984. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. After a series of television and film roles that introduced her to a larger national audience, Od- O'Donnell hosted her own syndicated uh, daytime talk show, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, between 1996 and 2002, and she won um, some daytime Emmy awards. Now, listen, did you watch it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it good? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't. Once I didn't live with my parents anymore, I stopped watching like daytime stuff. Um, she, from 2006 to 2007, she was on The View, and that included a very public feud with Donald Trump. Now, who doesn't have a feud with Donald Trump? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> let me see. Um, hold on. Where is there? There it is. Um, uh uh, she resides in South Nyack, New York. She is a Democrat. Um, she has contributed funds to multiple political campaigns, including the campaign to elect Senator D- uh, Doug Jones of Alabama. On numerous occasions, O'Donnell has been outspoken about controversial topics. In 2007, she announced her opinion concerning the terrorist attacks attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001, in which she uh, questioned the NIST conclusions and alleged the U.S. government's involvement in the event. Oh, okay. Uh, In her January 31st, 2002 appearance on the sitcom Will & Grace, she played a lesbian mom. A month later, as part of her act, the Ovarian Cancer Research Benefit at Caroline's Comedy Club, O'Donnell came out as a lesbian. She didn't come out in 2002? Big surprise for everybody. I mean, we were all shocked, yes? Yes. That's, but not to, I need to, 2002 was 20 years ago, but it still seems like she's been out since, you know, the womb. Since the room. Since the womb. Oh, the womb. <laughs> I'm like, was she in the room? <laughs> she was. <laughs> she was in the room. Uh, have you seen that, by the way? Yeah, I saw it at your house. Oh, that's right. <laughs> On that hot as balls summer day. Yes, indeed. Oh, my God. That was fun, though. I have uh, several pictures of you on that day because I think, no, that couldn't have been the first time you saw her after she was born. You saw her before then. That was ta- you spent quality time with her that day. I don't think she was born that then. She w- yeah, I have pictures. Really? Yeah. And we watched Labyrinth and Anne Fable was there. I think so. Wow. Maybe not. Okay. Listen, maybe not. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Listen, know. I forgot what we talked about last week. So who am I to say what we did <laughs> ten years ago? Um, <clears throat> O'Donnell adopted her first child, Parker Jaron O'Donnell, as an infant in 1995. Later, Kelly Carpenter also adopted Parker. Parker is an aficionado of military history, red flag, and in 2011 successfully lobbied his mother to send him to Valley Forge Military Academy. What an odd thing for a child to want. I uh, remember that. he. Well, first of all, who's Kelly Carpenter? That is her um, ex-wife. Hmm. Yes, her ex-wife. I believe her first wife. Do we, have we only been married once? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, their marriage ended in 2004. 
And it was among thousands and all by the California Supreme Court. And then she began dating uh, Michelle Rounds mid-2011. And then they were engaged. They were married at a private ceremony, June 9th, 2012. And June 9th, 2013, nope, January 9th, 2013, they announced that they adopted a baby girl. And then in 2000, February of 2015, they confirmed that her and Rounds had separated. They divorced in October 2015. Oh, no. And then Rounds died by suicide on September 15th, 2017. Oh, I did not know that. In August 2015, O'Donnell tweeted that her 17-year-old daughter, Chelsea, had gone missing from Nyack, New York. Chelsea, right, 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 right. I knew there was something about her daughter. Along with her therapy dog, she was found a week later. Um, so let's we'll get back to the sun in just a moment. I want to see if there's a yeah, she was married to Kelly Carpenter from 2004 uh, till 2004. She has five children, it doesn't list them all. Um, now, so her son lobbied to go to a military school. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. I remember that. Why? I feel like there was trouble with the two oldest kids in terms of like behavioral problems or something. Okay. So I don't really remember all of my facts. Okay. But I remember that the daughter, I do now that you say that, remember that she disappeared. And I feel like she ran away, question mark, maybe. Um, but I feel like there, there were some sort of problems with those first two kids. Okay. So. Okay. Well, that's all I had for her. Um, all right. Well, she, uh, this is, um, I got my stuff from Netflix. I got my (laughs) stuff. Um, there's a whole thing on Rosie O'Donnell series on Netflix. Um, no, from, What's it called? Wikipedia. And also uh, from an article in The Hollywood Reporter. So uh, Rosie O'Donnell um, went to college briefly and then she quit so she could uh, start doing stand-up comedy. And she toured in clubs around the country from 1979 to 1984. um, And she explained on Larry King Live, I was 20 years old and I was at a comedy club in Long Island. Uh, This woman came over to me and she said, I think you're funny. Can you give me your number? My dad is Ed McMahon. I was like, yeah, right. I gave her my father's phone number. I was living at home. I'm like, whatever. And about three days later, the talent booker from Star Search called and said, we're going to fly you out to L.A. I won like five weeks in a row and it gave me national exposure. I mean, okay. I know, right? I mean, that talk about destined to happen. Correct. Being 20 years old. My goodness. I mean, that's just, that's. Uh, After this uh, success from Star Search, she did some television guest appearances. She was on Give Me a Break in 1986. She joined VH1 as a VJ, which I don't remember this. What? Yeah. Uh, She started hosting a series for VH1 called Stand Up Spotlight. In 1992, she started in Stand By Your Man, which was a, a. sitcom on fox co-starring melissa gilbert don't remember that what uh the show bombed well uh, i mean what i obviously. can't imagine uh and this it bombed just as her movie career was starting to take off so she made her feature film debut in penny marshall's a league of the Rhone in 1992 she was originally considered for the role of mary sanderson in disney's hocus pocus but it was oh. ultimately given to kathy najimi now I would like to see her in Hocus Pocus. I feel like she and Bette Miller probably would be very similar. Yeah, I think that Kathy Najimy was different enough. She she's not not rougher. I don't maybe rougher around the edges as Roy. She's smoother around the edges than Rosie O'Donnell, which for I think sure. It plays well off of bet yes i agree i feel like kathy and jimmy plays not dumb but certainly like naive and quiet which i don't think rosie like if one of them if one of the sanderson sisters kidnapped me i would want it to be kathy and jimmy for sure i might be able to talk her into letting me Mm -hmm, go mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Mm mm-hmm now rosie claimed on her blog do you remember her blog that she had for a while no, I don't. <laughs> uh, she claimed on her blog that she turned down uh, 
Hocus Pocus because she refused to portray a frightening evil witch. To which I say, mm, okay, it's a Disney right. movie. so <laughs> Right, to which I say, that's a lie. <laughs> it's not like you're starring in The Exorcist or anything. <laughs> like, Rosie. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Throughout her career, she has taken on an eclectic range of roles. She appeared, she appeared in Sleepless in Seattle as Meg Ryan's best friend. Uh, she was in The Flintstones, the live action film as Betty Rubble. Really, she got that role because she could do Betty's laugh. Really. Okay. I haven't, uh, she was, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's terrible she was one of timothy hutton's co-stars in beautiful girls she was a federal agent and exit to eden also a terrible movie oh my god she was the voice of a tomboyish female gorilla in disney's tarzan and she was a baseball loving nun in m night Shyamalan's wide awake which i did not remember that that was m night Shyamalan. wide awake yeah if you look at the look it up you'll probably remember the poster in 1996, she began hosting her daytime talk show, The Rosie O'Donnell Show. Uh, the show was very successful, winning multiple Emmy Awards, uh, and it earned her the title of the Queen of Nice. She was very personable, very funny. Um, she had very playful banter with her audience. She introduced koosh balls to the nation. Oh, my God. Yes. She used to shoot them out into the audience. And then she also professed to be deeply in love with Tom Cruise, which even at the time I was like, really? Well, listen, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily, are you saying that that was possibly a smokescreen? No, I feel like she probably really likes him, but in the fact that she had not come out, I feel like it, she was it, probably using it as like, Right, right. A lusty love instead of like a whatever kind of. Right. Because I'll tell you, I would die for um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, I was going to say sure. I mean, I wouldn't, but there certainly are people that I would, women, of course, which doesn't right. make me straight. Right. But... That's what I mean. Like, but now that I'm remembering how she talked about him, I wonder if she did kind of use him as a smokescreen because she did talk about him a lot. A lot. A lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was like, well, I, I feel like it was, she was like, well, if people think sure. that I love him, I'm not going to, you know, say anything other. Sure, 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 sure. So uh, she also was very uh, intense with her love of Broadway musicals on her show, uh, would often have performances from shows playing. And had ticket giveaways and stuff. So she was a big, big cheerleader for the Broadway community. After the Columbine shootings, she became a very outspoken supporter of gun control. And she was a major figure in the Million Mom March on Washington. In 2002, she left her talk show after six years. And uh, she was replaced. And I think this is something that blows my mind. She was replaced by Caroline Ray in her talk show, which then became the Caroline Ray show. I just think it's so funny that people like Wendy Williams has just been replaced by Sherry Shepard. Oh, really? Which, yes. So like in the fall, we'll be getting the Sherry Shepard show, which Sherry Shepard show. Okay. That's a Sherry Shepard show. Sure, 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 sure. Which previously had been the Wendy Williams show. That's so like, just go like, just stop. I know. Right. It's just so weird. That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, uh, the right. Caroline Ray show lasted a one season. Mm. I know I love Caroline Ray. <laughs> In 2006, September to be exact, she replaced Meredith Vieira as a co-host and the moderator on The View. She is credited with keeping the show's buzz factor up. She is also credited with making it more news focused, although still embracing the fluff of daytime TV talk shows. Despite an overall downward trend for most daytime broadcast shows, ratings rose by 27% during her first year on The View. All right. She moderated the opening Hot Topics portion of the show, where news items were discussed. She gave the show a more political slant, and she and fellow comic Joy Behar often gave strong opinions against former George... No, former President Bush at the time, former George. He's, he's no longer George. He's no George. Now he's Georgette. 
uh, against his domestic and foreign policies, including the Iraq war at the time. Now, her foil on the show, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, uh, who was on Survivor okay. at BJP. Let me interject here. Please. When she was on Survivor, see, this is this broke my heart when I found out she was a tool. When she was on Survivor, she was my favorite. And she had an alliance with this old man. What was the old man's name? I forget. And they just had the sweetest relationship and they were, and they were nice. And, and looking back at it now, you'd be like, okay, no, I see. Okay. She was one of my favorites. I loved her. And That's then crazy. When she was on the view and came out as an asshole, I was like, God damn it. That's why we can't have nice things. We can't, we can't, especially where the Republicans are involved. Yeah. I loved her. Um, so yeah, she would usually support the Bush administration's policies, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, that is. And uh Rosie and Elizabeth would often get into get into it a little bit on the show. But on May 23rd, 2007, a heated discussion broke out, in part because of what Rosie perceived as Elizabeth's unwillingness to defend Rosie from criticism. She asked Elizabeth, yes. Do you believe I think our troops are terrorists? Elizabeth answered in the negative, but also stated, defend your insinuations. Rosie was hurt and felt that Elizabeth had betrayed her friendship. And she said, quote, there's something about somebody being different on TV toward you than they are in the dressing room. It didn't really ring true for me. End quote. Rosie stated that Republican pundits were mischaracterizing her statements and the right wing media would portray her as a bully attacking, quote, innocent, pure Christian Elizabeth, end quote, whenever they disagreed. Rosie decided to leave the show that day, uh, but afterwards stated that the reason was not the argument itself, but rather the fact that she saw on the studio monitor that the camera had shown a split screen with her and Hasselbeck on either side. And she felt that the show's director and producer had to prepare that in advance. And she said, I felt there was a setup engaged, uh, egging me into that position. The executive producer and I did not gel. So after the show that day, she's like, uh, I quit. And she left. And that was her last day on the show. Really? Yep. Yep. So, Rosie, listen, I don't know anything about TV. I almost said maintenance, TV production <laughs> um, or maintenance. If we get right down to it, I feel like they could probably do a split screen at a moment's notice. I mean, I also would feel that way. But again, what do I know? But it doesn't seem like it would take a long. Right. It wouldn't be. Like, well, we got a plan to do this. Yeah. Now we got to have a split screen thing, the doo -doo -doo like two what? weeks. So let's start planning <laughs> this now, boys. <laughs> Like that doesn't like Rosie. Come on, you're smarter than that. Yeah, I mean, this was 2007, not like 1957. <laughs> they had to plan it. Like, okay, all right. So she was only on for from September to May. So that's pretty that's crazy. So weird because it seems like it was so much longer. Yeah, I mean, she came back, which I'm going to get to that in a second. But okay. again, uh, right. so. In fall of 2011, she began uh, full-time work on her new show, The Rosie Show, for OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Uh, the show taped at the Chicago studio, formerly home to The Oprah Winfrey Show. The show debuted on October 10th, 2011. Now, side note, a friend of the podcast, Jamie, and I drove out to Chicago to be in the audience of The Rosie O'Donnell Show. Nice. When the cast of the Broadway revival of Godspell was there. Oh, God. And it was freezing in the theater. Um, but it was still an experience. We got a CD of the cast recording. And uh, there's a picture of me uh, where I have all this, like, flower confetti on me and stuff. Okay. And that's from that show. Oh, nice. Because um, okay. we got blasted with confetti cannons. Uh, Owen canceled the Rosie show on March 16th, 2012. So again, just from fall of 2011 to March of 2012, I uh, was off the air. In 2014, she returned to The View as a co-host. Okay. However, oh. Whoopi Goldberg was already on board as the moderator. Oh, so Rosie had right. effectively been demoted. She was on with Rosie Perez and Nicole Wallace. And on February 6, 2015, 
representatives for Rosie confirmed that she would once again exit the show, citing her reasons as a personal decision because she says, my health got a little bit worse right before the holidays, and my doctor was kind of concerned. I can't really fix my personal life right away, but I can fix my job. Now, I also had heard that she didn't like being second banana to Whoopi Goldberg. Right. Um, But she also did ultimately have a heart attack. I don't remember when she had a heart attack, but, um, but who knows? But anyway, she also has done a lot of theater. She was in the in Greece, uh, the 1994 revival of Greece, right, uh, right, right, which came through here. I saw it at the Fox. She played Rizzo. Uh, she was in the Broadway production of Suzical. Oh. She played the Cat in the Hat. Uh, she was in uh, the one of the revivals of Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway. She replaced Andrea Martin as Golda. And she was in the original cast of Love, Loss, and What I Wore. And she was in The Music Man at the Kennedy Center a couple of years ago. And in late 2003, this is my last thing, uh, she bought the rights to the musical Taboo, which was playing in London. She brought it to Broadway, which was kind of the story of Boy George. Okay, I was trying to remember. She hired Charles Bush to rewrite the book from the London production. Uh, the story became bitchier and more focused on the rise to fame of the character based on Boy George. It closed on February 8th, 2004, after 100 performances. Yikes. And mostly bad reviews. Oh, boy. I know. She described the show's production as, quote, by far the most fulfilling experience of my career. She has stated that she intends to bring the show back to Broadway, although Scott Miller writes that people are hesitant to get involved after the, quote, train wreck of the original production. So that is what she has done. What is your first memory of Rosie O'Donnell? Um, What is my first memory of Rosie O'Donnell? Um, God, it feels like she's always been with us. This is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like she's just been omnipresent. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I mean, certainly A League of Their Own was her first film, but I feel like I knew her before that. I feel like I knew her way before that. Yeah. So I I, I never really watched Star Search. See, I did. So maybe I saw her on Star Search. Yeah, I I don't know. I just love her, though. I love her Long Island talk. Right. I love that she never got rid of it. I just love how snappy she is and just unafraid and just ballsy. Yeah. And I I just love her. I just do. Yeah. And she does genuinely seem like a nice person. I agree. I like her new lesbian haircut as she's getting older. And if you see her on uh, any of the social medias, she just doesn't know how to how to work it. Yeah. Um, she most notably was supposed to have dinner with Marishka Hargitay and somehow didn't have her phone number or couldn't find her phone number. So she did a, a Snapchat or a TikTok. <laughs> she did a TikTok. It was like, could someone please tell Mar- Mariska Hargitay I have to cancel? And people are like, how do you not? Yeah, sure, we'll tell her. That is so funny. So just being the little old lady on social media is hilarious to me. So what was your movie that you picked? So I picked Now and Then. Oh, God, you did? Are you fucking with me? I'm not. What'd you pick? I thought you were doing what? Beautiful Girls. Oh shit! No. Okay. Well, <laughs> tell me about now and then. I've never, I've never seen it. So. <laughs> well, this is new. Um. Well, shit. Oh no. I'm so sorry. Well, listen. You don't need to watch it. It's a cute movie. Um. Watch Stand by Me instead. It's better. Oh. It's basically okay. a female Stand by Me. Okay. But they're older and younger, right? Yes. So uh, it's uh, 1995 uh, coming of age comedy drama um, directed by Leslie Glatter and starring Christina Ricci, Rosie O'Donnell, Thora Birch, Melanie Griffin, 
uh, Gabby Hoffman, Debbie Moore, Ashley Ashton Moore, and Rita Wilson. Weird. When you see these girls at first and you see their older counterparts, you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. But there's the famous poster with um, the girls and then their adult counterparts behind them. And they were cast perfectly. And let me tell you tell you something. I know this is about Rosie O'Donnell. This is Demi Moore's best work. Oh, my goodness. She's just cute as a button in it. I love her. She's actually acting. And yeah, it's cute. It is these four friends had this epic summer and um, they made a pact to always be there for each other. Uh, when needed and so uh, Rita Wilson's character is having a baby so she calls on her friends to come and be with her and so um, they all go to be with her Melanie Griffith is a movie star Um, Rosie O'Donnell is a doctor Demi Moore is a writer Uh, Rita Wilson I don't know if she has an i don't know what her occupation is if she's homeless one she's homeless (laughs) um yeah it's a cute movie it's basically uh stand by me without the drama um no dead bodies actually there is a through line of trying to figure out how someone died but they're not going to see the dead body they're going to see how someone died okay so there there's a little parallel there um what else the adults are not in it a lot but rosie's cute in it but they're not in it a lot so you know what it's okay that you didn't watch it it's okay although that's not the point of the podcast or how we do it so (laughs) sorry i screwed that up hi so we're breaking in here for a moment breaking news special report so listening to the episode Susie had not watched Beautiful Girls and so now we're back a day later so we're just going to slip this in as they say because now she has watched Beautiful Girls I have watched Beautiful Girls so now we can talk about it like we were supposed to previously so it's like a little bonus yeah and I think based on your question to me or your comment to me before we start recording, I think you hated it. Oh, I fucking hated it. It was terrible. Do you love oh, this movie? I love it. I love oh, it. Oh my God. What? How? Okay. <clears throat> let, let, let's just go to my notes. Let's just go to my notes. <laughs> and we're done. No. <laughs> Friendship over. Podcast over. Okay. I just says this movie then marty with a question mark rating women really <laughs> and i said how was this movie made for it is very much a straight white lost male kind of movie it sure is it's so funny because ted demi i read somewhere i don't know if it was in wikipedia or something else he said he made this movie because um he was tired of writing shoot and he wanted to write something I don't know, heartfelt or whatever. And so he wrote Beautiful Girls. And I was like, okay, um, okay. But who is this for? Because a woman watching it has a very different take than a man watching it. And also I would probably say I would have a very different take if I watched it back in 1990, whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Yes. Uh-huh, hundred percent. But I must also say I loved it then and I still loved it now. Every now and again, I think there's films that come through that speak to the white male experience, which I know there are a lot of them. Sure, 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 sure. That just speak to me. To that speak to that male whiteness that I have. Sure. And so I think that feeling of being sort of an arrested development stage of which I don't think is obviously, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't think that that is only a white male um, phenomenon. Um, phenomenon. But, but it speaks to me in terms of like about find, finding your way really is what. Sure. I can see here. Here's what I will say. It's it's it is very real and that there are people out there like that. And I don't think they make movies about those people because these people are unlikable. But um, <laughs> so I, 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 
so I said for a movie uh, named Beautiful Girls, it has a lot of ugly dudes. In it. <laughs> I just didn't like any of these fucking dudes. I will say Rosie was amazing so in this movie. She was, I, I was like, sh- that would be, if I was in this small town, in this friend group, that would be me. Yeah. That whole like grocery store or whatever, when she was shopping oh with them, that whole yeah. monologue. So great. Yeah. Um, where they, they clearly love her, even though she's wouldn't fall in any of their sort of lists of who's attractive or whatever. They still love her. They listen to her. Um, they respect her. And then at the end, great ass, great tits. And <laughs> I should be offended. I wasn't, I was like, Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> um, because it wasn't one of those things of, well, she's the fat wise friend. She's not attractive. Like they were still like objectifying her, which like I said, I should be offended by, but I was like, Oh, that's nice. I like being, I like being objectified once in a while. And I also feel it was like a respect objectifying. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it had a feeling behind it of she's super fucking rad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, therefore, I like her ass. Like so, like (laughs) I guess they had redeeming qualities. But my biggest thing is the Natalie Portman of it all. This is what I was alluding to. So Joseph Maureen Bailey. (laughs) I feel like, like to me, it doesn't feel creepy. It doesn't. Okay. You are correct. It does not feel creepy. If they're going to have this storyline, it's handled as well as it can be handled. But And maybe in the 90s, I would feel differently for sure. Like if I saw it when it came out, I'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, he's so sweet. Like he doesn't talk down to her he's honest about his feelings but he does he does realize she's 13 and so there's nothing at all untoward going on but in the lens of a 2022 it was like really dudes she's 13 and and i will say all of his friends are like she's she's 13 exactly what are you doing and i also felt like this is i said to this i said this to joe after we watched it there's that scene where they're at the ice skating pond and mm-hmm. then like she falls into his arms and his friend is with his daughters and he's like keeps like, looking over his shoulder but yeah. like nothing ever comes of that which right. i wanted there to be something like dude what the fuck are you doing oh Even like though a nothing, scene between them yeah 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 because i felt like it was so pronounced that I then get, nothing happens i get that but i also like that it wasn't just because to me that says the things he said are wrong and weird and not appropriate but we're also his best friends and it's we're a safe space for him to say anything right and i also trust so like i'm gonna give a look because that's not okay what's happening but i also trust him enough to know we don't have to have to have a discussion about it does that make sense absolutely does yeah it does like i'm gonna look at you and be like what the fuck are you doing but i know that it doesn't need to be followed up yeah that makes sense also, we should probably say, if you don't know this movie, and you may not, because a lot of people yes. don't. Yes. So the movie concerns Timothy Hutton moves home. He's a musician in New York. He, well, doesn't move home. He goes home for his high school reunion mm-hmm. and meets, uh, he has a girlfriend played by Annabeth Gish. This is like a veritable who's who of the mid-90s. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uma Thurman. Martha um, Plimpton, who I would do anything for. Oh, Martha Plimpton is so Stunning in this Stunning. movie. Mira Sorvino, Lauren Holly, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, he goes home and his next door neighbor, it's a new family living there. And the daughter is played by Natalie Portman, who is 13. So nothing untoward happens. It, Absolutely I, not. Absolutely I could not. see how some people might think it feels creepy, especially in this day and age. Um, I think it's sweet. And she is so fucking good for being a teenager. God, Natalie Portman is so fucking good. Just so wise beyond her years. 
Um, but that was that was what I was most curious about. Yeah, I would and- say please watch it so that you don't think we are weirdos. When you watch it, you'll <laughs> understand what we mean. I, I, it's there is nothing inappropriate. Nothing that happens, not even a little bit. No, and it's actually I feel it's really kind of sweet at the end when he leaves, and yeah. he like, you know, the little. Um, like she is very mature for her age and doesn't for one second think anything is going to ever happen. Right. And so, yeah, so it's not, it's not like that. B- please watch it. So I feel better about myself <laughs> about how we're saying this. Cause you're going to listen and go, what the fuck? Just watch it. Anyway. But I'm I sorry, really I keep feel like, and, and part of the reason why I love this movie so much and just watching it now, like it feels so real to me. Like, it yes. just feels like his dad's house feels like it's a real house. Like there's the wood paneling. Yes. Like it doesn't feel like it's been touched by a Hollywood decorator or production designer or anything like right. that. His room. Yeah, yeah. His bedroom at the house, like just has these random bookshelves with what look like would be actual books in someone's like the bars mm-hmm. all just look. And also I hate movies that are set in the wintertime that have obviously fake snow and like fake breath mm-hmm. coming out of people's mouths. This all mm-hmm. was authentic. Um, mm-hmm. And I just really think the performances are really good. I think Uma Thurman's really great in it. Um, I oh, think Timothy Hutton is great. I think Matt Dillon is great. Um, even Michael Rappaport, who I don't always love. Um, he, his so, character, I wanted to punch him right. He was so fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, and he usually is. But Rosie, she really was. So she was the bright shining star to me. And not yeah, just no. because she was yeah. the topic of discussion this week. Yeah. Her character, I was like, that's me. That's, lit- <laughs> that's literally me. I will say one problem I had at the end when they meet Timothy Hutton's girlfriend and she's at the party or whatever. And her and Rosie O'Donnell are talking and she's like, you remind me of who does Annabeth. Oh, you remind me of Ali. She do whatever I have to her. And Annabeth kiss. She's like, you know what? You remind me of an actress too. Have you ever seen misery? I was like, bitch. (laughs) And she's like, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) And if I were that character, I'd be like, we're done speaking. (laughs) Don't get me wrong fucking Kathy Bates is a fucking queen and if someone said you were you're acting your personality reminds me of Kathy Bates I would be like yes thank you I can die now but that's not why she fucking said it like shut up just fucking <laughs> shut up there's two we have two or three if you count Rosie O'Donnell if you're not Rosie O'Donnell in the movie there's three people that fat chicks can be compared to and it's Kathy Bates Rosie O'Donnell and Roseanne Barr fuck all the way off but the fourth person that i have been compared to by multiple people from multiple walks of life and i personally do not see it and it comes with a caveat which makes it even more special i have been told multiple times you know who you remind me of (laughs) live tyler if she was fat (gasps) all the way off people have said that to you multiple people they use the f word oh yeah Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Oh, people feel very free. Because, see, they think that they're being so generous by comparing me to Liv Tyler. But not Liv Tyler the way she is. God, no. She would have to be fat. Yeah, if she was, like, super fat, no, you'd be like her. Real, if she was a real tubbo, <laughs> um, like, just fuck all the way off. So that, like, literally, that was the lasting impression from that movie because it triggered me. Because I was like, fuck, oh, fuck you. I'm actually surprised surprised she's not in that movie. Who lived Tyler? Yeah, might as well. Uh, and that is the other thing. This movie does use the R word and the F word that is not fit. Oh my God! So freely and multiple, yeah. multiple times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time it happened, I was like, all right, okay. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, for its time, and I can totally understand what you're saying. No, I, I, I hated, I hated it. I loved Martha Plimpton. I loved Rosie. Um, Mira Savino's character. Uh, I was like, really? You're going to go back to him? Okay. Uh, I, I would say watch it. I would be interested to know people's thoughts um, watching it in 2022. 
What, how many stars out of five? Oh God. I would say three. Oh, okay. I would say three because the performances are, I mean, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Uma Th- oh my God. So good. The, the performances save what is a garbage premise. Um, so I'm going to say three. Okay. And would you say four and a half? I would say four. I'd give it a okay. solid four. All right. Yeah. Well, interesting. Well, I'm glad you watched it. Thank you for doing that. Um, Cause I did want to talk to you, especially about the Natalie Portman stuff. Yeah. 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 And so that is beautiful girls. That is beautiful girls. Everyone. And now we return to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> so my movie. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that you like this movie. I like it less upon the second viewing. Interesting. I like it less. If we're going to rate Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, rom-coms, this is behind You've Got Mail. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, I think that you hate it. You love it. You're so good. No, I hate it. Okay. <laughs> Yay. I... Spence, okay, first of all, I didn't mean it. Yeah, I'm so glad you hated it. <laughs> all right, Sleep is in Seattle, directed by Nora Ephron, opened June 25th, 1993. So, I okay, so first of all, I don't believe I've seen this movie since I saw it at the movies, probably on June 25th, 1993. Okay, so it's been almost 30 years since I've seen this. Sure. So, first of all, I was bored out of my gourd. Yeah. Second of all, I spent most of my time trying to figure out why people love this movie. Right? Like, what is there to love about this movie? Like, please, if, you do, if you're someone who loves this movie, but you haven't seen it in a long time, rewatch. See if you're, now, if you're somebody who loves this movie and watches it all the time, your opinion's not going to change, obviously. But if you saw it a long time ago and revisit it, it's, it's real dumb. It's so, I don't understand the appeal of it i don't okay oh my god i have so many things to say i don't think either one of them are particularly likable i just and i don't even think it's that i feel like neither one of them have really sort of any kind of character traits well and i was shocked by how little they interact yeah not till the end and then they don't they don't Everyone has to know what sleep is in Seattle is, right? We all right. know what it is, right? So he, yes, he is a widower. He loses his wife at the beginning. He and his son move to Seattle. Seattle and then in the great early 90s tradition of late night radio call-in talk shows, right. his son calls in and apparently everyone in the country falls in love with Tom Hanks. Right. Including Meg Ryan, who was engaged to be married to Bill Pullman. Now, my biggest question about her relationship with Bill Pullman is the movie starts at Christmas. Why do they take separate cars to her family's home? And then they're going to his family's home. They're going to the same places, because but they're taking ex- separate cars. She explains it, though. She has to leave directly from where they are to go somewhere where he's not going. All right. Well, I missed that. Yeah. Because at one point he says, just come with me. Okay. I missed that. And she, but I think really what it is, is it's supposed to be, look at how much time she's willing to spend away from him is what it's really supposed to be. Okay. I, I, that is my opinion. (laughs) Also, here's the other thing that bothers me so much about this movie is that is her letter. So first of all, we see her writing the letter, which she then balls up and throws across the room. Right. Then apparently Rosie O'Donnell secretly that we never see mails the letter to Tom Hanks. So did she send this previously crumpled up piece of paper or did she rewrite the letter and send it. And then when Tom Hanks gets the letter, he doesn't even read it. He gets just very high level highlights from his son before he dashes off to a date, but then ultimately sees her at an airport and then is immediately in love with her. Ugh, so stupid. Yeah. And she's, she's not so crazy. She's not so crazy. Yeah. Which is supposed to be endearing. 
endearing, which when I saw it, I will admit, I probably did think was endearing in some form or fashion. It's, she, I'm speechless. They, they, what, what it's trying to convey is that she's settling. Okay. Yes. And with Bill Pullman. With Bill Pullman. And um, you shouldn't settle and you can have this kind of love. But um, like you said, neither one of their characters are fleshed out to a point of understanding that. Right. It's all just a bunch of tropes. Right. And also like, also like, I'm I'm settling for Bill Pullman and then I'm going to um um go for this widower who really it's the love of his wife that is sustaining him that I aspire to have which won't be for me it's for his wife right and it's also weird. yeah Bill Pullman is not horrible it's like oh he's allergic to everything and then it's like if that's like the worst of his traits, like it, it just seemed like they could either, like, I don't think he should be like an abuser or anything like that, but like, no. he's a nice guy, you know? And like, I don't know. I get that they're not passionate or whatever, but it's just so stupid. This movie. Yeah, it's, is- it's not, it's not good. And I was like, Oh, you know, I love this movie. And then I start, and I'm like, geez, this is not what I remember. And the fact that they're only together for like two minutes is, is ridiculous. To me. Yeah. And already holding hands. Right. And, and, and oh, we're meant to be like, here's my thing. You, he has this wife. He had this wife that he loved and adored and she passed and she, he's still in love with her now. Do I believe that that kind of love exists where you can see some, oh, but sure. Okay, fine. That, oh God, how do I, I, I just don't buy it after already having that love with his wife. That he's going to get it again. That he's going to get it again in a way that is, yeah, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. I also felt like this movie leans way into the When Harry Met Sally soundtrack Mm, issue. It's like all classic, like those, like the Great American Songbook. Not all by Harry Connick Jr., although he does contribute a song to this film. Uh uh Um, But I also resented it for that fact. However, this film, like the one you watched, also (laughs) features Rita Wilson and Gabby Hoffman. That's right. So that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's just, rewatch it. I think, I think you will be surprised how much you dislike it, maybe. Yeah, in this, also, I found this tidbit, which just blew my mind. In June of 2008, it ranked number 10 on the American Film Institute's list of the 10 greatest films in the romantic comedy genre. Why? It's not funny. It's not romantic. Ugh. Yeah. Did you hate it the first time you saw it? I don't remember. Joe asked me that too. I don't remember hating it. Like I was going into it with a generally positive right. frame of mind. Right, right, right. Which is why I picked it too, because I didn't really remember it. And I didn't really remember Rosie in it. And I thought that rewatching it that she wasn't in it enough. Right. Um, and it also really leans into the men and women are so different. Which I just hate that also. Right. Like women, only women like this and only men like this. Right. And that is also super annoying. Yeah, it was just, it was bad news bears, folks. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Really disappointing. I really wish that I would have chosen a league of their own, but such is life. Such is, I mean, you've seen it. I've seen it. We can talk about it. But I haven't seen it in years. Okay, fine. So, um, it's on TV every day. So, is it have its own cable channel? I mean, at this point, you would think yes. <laughs> um, and it's also becoming a series. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was glad, and I think we said this 
after we had stopped recording last week. I was glad that you didn't pick it because Lori Petty, oh God, her character. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate her as much as you do. She's just terrible. Also, another strike against Sleepless in Seattle is that it has been turned into a musical. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like recently or a long time ago, it's already closed. No, it was supposed to have premiered going into the quarantine in London. So it's been all in the air since then. Listen. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Hold that thought. It's also just called Sleepless. Okay. Go ahead. Um, Well, yeah, they didn't want to do all that rain on stage. Um, Listen, if they took the idea and turned it on its head and didn't follow the movie religiously, it could be interesting. Oh, the musical? Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be like Pretty Woman, just a scene by scene. Which is so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. I see that girl. And I feel so bad saying this because what a horrible thing to say, but I mean it. I truly mean it. I see that girl on Instagram, not Instagram, must be TikTok. Um, The girl that we saw uh, who played Vivian and, you know, she's out, she's still touring. And and I, every time I see her, I want to be like, you're bad. And I think you need to know that you're bad Um, because self-awareness, lack of self-awareness to me, especially in an actor is unforgivable. And I I can tell that you think you're good and you're not, and you need to know that you're not. That's evil. Listen, that's evil. I know that's evil, but I have to fight the urge every time. I mean, I'm glad you don't do it, but you certainly are entitled to your feelings. And I encourage you to hold on to those. She's just bad. She's just so bad. Well, the whole musical is terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible. 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 Um, Did you watch I Know This Much Is True, the miniseries? With Mark Ruffalo and Rosie O'Donnell? I did not. He plays the twins. I didn't either. I want to, though. I read the book way back in the day. Um, But yeah, I was just curious. Well, but now I have to because it's Mark Ruffalo. Ah, playing twins, no less. Playing twins? Yeah. When, When did this happen? Last year? Sure. 2020. Not this much is true. 2020. It's a s- series, six episodes. Oh, and Catherine Hahn is in it too. Ugh, Mar- Melissa Leo. You don't like her. I don't like her. Somebody, somebody asked Google, "What is the point of?" <laughs> I know this much is true. <laughs> um, what is the point of this? Um, so what is the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. All right. I'll I'll give it a watch. Yeah, I want to too. Um. So yeah, that's Rosie. That's Rosie. Yeah, so love her. A lot of stuff out there about her personally. She keeps herself kind of uh, tight-lipped. She seems she seems um, sensitive. So it's probably good that she keeps stuff close to the vest. You know She's I mean? a truly a funny lady. She is though. I think she's very funny. So we are doing a wee pod next week. We are. And I want to dip into the uh, television series Roar. Roar. That was uh, suggested to us by friend of the podcast, Joelle. All right. Oh, oh, all right. Yeah. So all right. we're going we're to dip into that. We're going to do that. All right. Well, uh, write us at uh, threefunnyladies at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on the Instagram at threefunnyladiespodcast. Yes. And, and um, you don't have to watch any of the movies we watched this week. No, you really don't. Unless I re- <laughs> we really would like to hear about Sleepless. If you love it, I want to know why you love it. Yeah. And if you loved it and haven't visited it and watched it again and realized the error of your ways, tell us that too. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, then we'll see you guys next week. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.